Well, good morning, all. How are you today? Good. Oh, what a privilege to be able to be here and to share the Word of God this morning. I'm so excited, really excited. Oh, I love John's encouragement about God's presence. And that's something the last couple of weeks that's really shifted, I think, in me. And um, just that sense that, you know, God is with us all the time. He's here. And I think sometimes we can, or certainly me, um, when I'm praying and thinking about God, I'm praying like up there to the sky. Um, And I'm thinking that's where God is because that's where heaven is in my kind of human perspective. But actually, God... God's everywhere, all the time. He's omnipresent and all-powerful. And to have that revelation that the spiritual realm is actually around us because we're spiritual beings is actually a powerful shift because it makes us live a little bit differently and certainly pray differently um, because God's not a distant, far-removed God. Um, He's with us and within us. Is that good? Fantastic. All right. Well, it's my privilege to share the Word of God. I'm just going to pray before we do get into the Word um, and ask God just to, I guess, um, allow the Word to minister in the way that He intends it to. So let's lift our hands as we pray. Lord, I thank you that you gave us your Word. I thank you that it's alive and it's relevant as much today as when it was first written. And I thank you that as we look at what you want to say to us today, Lord, that we can be rest assured that the word will carry with us, but it won't stop here, that we'll take it into our week and into our lives and apply it because that's how you intend your word to be. And I thank you for that privilege, Lord, that you've given that to us. It's such a gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk today around the theme of significance, um, and this is a message um, that it, it came from, it's come from um, a revelation that I had, a, a thought process that I had some years ago, and let me tell you, I never went back to being the same as I was before I had this kind of moment of revelation all those years ago, and I'm talking like maybe... Um, seven, eight years ago, um, um, and I'll talk about it as I go through the message, but it's the search for significance that I'm referring to, significance in life, that elusive question, why am I here? What is life all about? What are we here for? And those of you who have watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy will immediately think of a number, 42, yeah. (laughs) But we want our lives to matter, don't we? We want to know that when we come to the end of our lives, that people around, you know, around us at that time will reflect on a life that mattered, mattered to them, mattered to the world somehow. And we have that search throughout our lives to figure out often what that significance is. And it comes down to wanting purpose. Why am I here? And if we are honest often we can realize that we get we we can get so many messages thrown at us that our search for significance and purpose 
can sometimes go along the route that other people are saying it should be. Take, for instance, Pinterest. Who knows Pinterest? I really like Pinterest. It's, if you don't know what it is, it's a similar kind of social media type, not really, but ish app. And you basically, it's like looking through a magazine with lots and lots of different articles, different things, and you can pin them on a particular board. And then you can have your boards that you look through and it has all similar theme things. And if you're really good, like my daughter Imani, she'll organize hers, has them very carefully organized with what she likes to look at um, and things like that. And it's really interesting. But the problem for me is it confuses me and it can give me a bit of a personality crisis. So when I look through my Pinterest board, I've got clean eating paleo diet, then contouring makeup, then chocolate brownie recipes, and then exercise tips for a flat tummy, then our oh, beautiful dress, then what to feed my dog, and then city lifestyle tips, then holiday destinations, then goals to fulfill your life plan, then analyzing my hair to see how unhealthy I am, or donut recipes. So as you can see, it's a minefield, and it can give me a little bit of a confusion of who I'm meant to be. Am I meant to be a city girl or a country girl? Am I meant to be a movie star or the village crazy lady? And it's, you know, any day of the week, we can be going through such a minefield and even having conversations with people who think they know us and think what our purpose should be in life. And we can take those things on board without sometimes realizing that we're going a little bit off track um, or that we're getting distracted because there's so much opinion and conflicting messages. And then add to it all the current COVID season, and you've got even more opinions floating around, and um, overuse of technology and isolation. And then it's really difficult, isn't it, to find that purpose. Um, and I think that tension of finding our purpose in life arguably can be one of the biggest tensions that we have in life. For me, growing up, and I've often talked about this, um, my parents were pastors, before that they were missionaries, and growing up, I had a very um, strong sense of purpose, I guess, put into me by my parents. Their voice was very loud um, in a good way, and always they always told me, growing up, you know, you, you're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason. Um, I was a surprise child after my mum had miscarried. Um, and so my mum very much always told me that I was a blessing that God gave to our family. And, and that voice was really strong in me. And I had this sense of, I'm here for a reason. God's got a purpose for me. But then I twinned that with a very quiet personality. I was the youngest, I um, am the youngest of four, very loud <laughs> family. Um, lots of opinions in my family, but that's okay. I love them. Um, but, but because I was the youngest and the most quiet, um, then I kind of hid a lot and lived with a lot of fear growing up. And to be honest, fear probably crouched at my door for most of my life. Um, and I longed to do something significant and had this real sense of God's put me here for a reason and I've got a purpose to fulfill, but then also that fear would stop me from thinking I could actually do it. So often those dreams I had were more like pipe dreams, like, oh, that would be amazing, but no, I can't do that. And it was that tension that I always lived with 
I longed to do something significant. And I grew up with lots of missionary stories. Um, and, you know, watching those movies like The Inner Sixth Happiness and a few other favorite old movies of people who did really significant things. And for me, often it was attached to looking after children. And I later became a, a teacher of young children. And, and for me, that sense of, you know, there are, there's children out there that really, you know, that need love and need attention. Um, and that's why we, John and myself, partnered with Compassion um, a lot because we knew that, you know, God wanted us to be able to make a difference in young children's lives. Um, around the world. So I had that desire to make a difference and to help people one day. But like I said, hiding away was my safety net. It was where I would be safe and um, the fear would have its way almost. But that purpose never left and now and then it would leak out a little bit and cause me to step out and be a little bit brave, <laughs> which was good because that's what God intends. But he doesn't intend for us to live a life of fear at all. And that's something that um, many of us are on that journey at the moment when it comes to this current season. I know John, when he spoke the last couple of weeks, talked about stepping out and having a sense of adventure in life and not letting fear overtake us and control our journey. Maybe you want to be significant too. Maybe... You would love to find the cure for cancer. My goodness, wouldn't we all? <laughs> or do something significant to change people's lives or to matter to the people that you love. It's inbuilt within us to find purpose. More so than my family putting that in me, God put that in me. And he's put it in all of us. And he's created us and put us here with purpose and for a reason. If you think of, you know, famous people that have shaped and changed the world, you think, wow, where would the world be if they hadn't have existed? You think of people like Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, pe people who have really shaped society. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a theologian in the war times, and he, he really preached about community and about the importance of being together with God's people. And you think, where would the world be? If those people hadn't have stepped out and done what was on their life to do, the world would look slightly different. And then we think of ourselves and think, wow, God has something equally significant for us to do. And it's about knowing that we can step out without that fear stopping us. Whatever we dream of accomplishing in life, God can do more. Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21 explains this. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's big. <laughs> forever and ever, all generations. My, um, my family um, expanded yesterday by a new generation. My um, niece had a baby, and my mom is now a great-grandmother, and she's the first in her siblings to become a great-grandmother. So our family has included now a new generation. And it's exciting when we think of a legacy that's passed on. I don't know whether many of you might have seen John's Instagram post this morning. He talked about his grandfather. Um, and when we have a legacy 
behind us, that's a, that's a great thing. But the legacy can start with us. If we don't have um, a legacy of people following Jesus that have gone before us in our family, but we can be the start of that for the family and the generations that are co- to come after us. God can do more than we can ever dream of doing. And the world needs us to have those big dreams. Now back to that revelation that I had all those years ago that I mentioned. A few years ago, um, like I said, it was maybe like six, seven years ago, um, I was attending our women's conference in London, um, the Hillsong Women's Conference. It's called Colour Your World, or Colour for short. Um, and we were always, all, I, I always went to the conference with you know, the women in our church. And there were times when I would really feel like, um, I know when you're sitting in an auditorium with 10,000 other women, And you feel like God's speaking exactly to you, into your situation. Well, that's what the Colour Conference has always been like every single time. And it's God always seemed to speak to me differently in that environment than when I was anywhere else. And I remember I went back to the hotel room where we were staying um, to get changed or have some food or something. And I was leaving the, the room and going back down across the car park of the hotel and I remember exactly where it was um, and I had this thought process because I think the me- I can't even remember what the messages were that were spoken particularly that made me think this way but it would have been around our sense of purpose but I remember thinking like God you're huge you can do anything and and I remember thinking Lord I want to make my life matter to you I want to do big things for you and my faith level was probably pretty high because I'd been in some incredible worship and heard some great messages. And I was thinking, of like, God, I can imagine stadiums full of people worshipping you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, and then my thoughts kind of carried on, and I had a conversation with God about that. And I think often, you know, when we have, certainly me, when I have conversations with God, sometimes I'm like, am I just answering myself or is God answering me? <laughs> Such is the nature of prayer. Um, but I know that God definitely used my thoughts because, like I said, I was changed from that thought process. Because all I kept thinking of was, I can imagine huge, I can imagine massive God, I've got a big mind. I can imagine huge things. What could be bigger than big? Let me ask you a question. Who's heard of Billy Graham? Yeah, quite a well-known speaker. I went to hear Billy Graham preach when I was probably about 12 or so. He came to a football stadium in Liverpool, Anfield Stadium. I lived in Manchester where I grew up, and we took a coach load from my church to go and see Billy Graham speak. And I remember sitting in one of the seats in that stadium and just, I was mesmerized by the size of the gathering there. And there was this pulpit in the middle of the football field with this man standing on there preaching and he had his arms, you know, as he often did, arms raised up and he was preaching and he had such huge faith and I remember just looking around this stadium as a little girl and thinking oh I felt tiny but I like that feeling because it was huge and I liked feeling one of many 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 and and I thought wow 
like, that's huge. And my faith was so, I guess, young because I was so young. But I had this sense of awe of, oh, God, you're huge. There are people all over. And when he, when he at the end of his message, invited people to come to the front to invite Jesus into their hearts, I'll never forget the crowds of people that just left their seats and flocked down to the green around where his podium was, where he was speaking. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people making decisions to follow him. And I remember that feeling of like, oh, that's amazing, that's amazing. It was huge. It was wow. It was the catalyst of people's eternity being changed and those after them, the generations after them, their eternities as they would be born into a godly family. Let me ask you another question. Who's heard of Albert McMackin? Okay, that's what I thought. That's okay. I'm going to tell you a story. In 1934, Albert McMackin was a 24-year-old farmer, and he became a Christian. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and took them to a meeting to hear about Jesus. There was a farmer's son who Albert especially wanted to get to the meeting, but he didn't seem too interested in Christianity. Eventually, Albert managed to persuade him to come, asking him to drive the truck. That was his way to get him to come, to drive the truck. When they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in and found himself spellbound by the teaching from the Bible. He began to have thoughts he had never known before. He went back each night to the meetings to hear more until one night he went forward and gave his life to Jesus. Since that day, that young truck driver has spoken to at least 250 million people about Jesus and become the spiritual advisor to the last nine presidents. That man was Billy Graham. We've all heard of Billy Graham, but who's heard of Albert McMackin? Let me ask you a question. Who was more significant to the kingdom of God? Billy Graham, who saw millions and millions and millions of people come to know Jesus, or Albert McMackin? who introduced Billy Graham to Jesus. Now, let me go back to my conversation with God, and I'm sure you can now imagine where it's heading. <laughs> my conversation with God went like this. God, I can imagine huge. What could be bigger than big? And I'm thinking of that moment in Anfield Stadium in Liverpool. And then the answer came, but what if you're not here for those crowds? What if you're here for a small group of people? Okay, all right, yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, I can imagine that, God. Yeah, that's okay with me. And then another answer came. But what if you're not here for a small group of people? What if I've put you on this earth for one person? Okay, okay, yep, God, you are sovereign. You hold all things in your hands. Yep, I'm happy if you've put me on this earth to encounter one person and to change their life for you. That's okay with me. But then the answer came again. No, but what if I've put you here on this earth to have one conversation with one person? 
in your whole life. And I was absolutely floored, and I get emotional thinking about it now. Because in that moment, I realized my perspective had been completely wrong. It's not wrong to believe for millions. It's right. But it's a significance that we think it's going to bring. And our motive that isn't always aligned with what God's will is. And what I realized in that moment is, my big, my huge, isn't God's big and huge? Because when I'm thinking of big and huge, I'm thinking of a linear thing. I'm thinking of expanse. I'm thinking of wide. When God's thinking of huge, he's thinking deep. He's thinking eternally. And who knows that an eternal huge is far more significant than my two-dimensional big. My revelation was in that moment that God is multidimensional. He sees what I don't. And he needs me to place my life in his hands and allow him to shape my purpose, allow him to shape what he knew was significant for my life, to matter to somebody for one conversation maybe, and that would be okay. You see, the thing is, we can be so busy hoping and dreaming and praying for Billy Grahams or for us to be like that, forgetting just as important and sometimes even more so are the Albert McMackins of this world. Those who are diligent and willing just to step out and give one person a lift to a service one time. Are we willing to be those people? You see, Albert brought people to Jesus in his truck. He was diligent with what was given to him to do. Billy Graham was diligent with what God had put him on this earth to do, which was bringing people to Jesus in stadiums. Both were important. Both fulfilled the purposes that God had for them. Both saw eternal significance. And both shaped the world somehow. Are we looking at our purpose in the right way? That's my question today. Are we looking at what God's perspective of significance is over ours. You see, maybe let's open our minds to thinking that God has a different perspective. Another revelation that I've had lately, along similar lines to John's about God's presence being here, is very much about what I said about, you know, the spiritual realm is here, it's around us. And I sometimes have those little funny thoughts I don't know whether you ever have them too, but those thoughts were like, I wonder what the angels are doing right now. I wonder what conversations they're listening into. I wonder, I wonder if they know who is meant to talk with this person at a certain time to make that thing happen. And they're watching, like, oh, yeah, that person's walking up there. Oh, they're about to meet that person, and that conversation's about to happen. And it's going to have ripple effects into eternity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, whoa, they missed it. I wonder what they think, what, they, what their perspective is, because ours is so physical, isn't it? We see what's here, 
in front of us because we're physical bodies, but we're spirits more so. And I think sometimes we put so much emphasis on the physical because that's the dimension that we live in. I'm not going to get all sci-fi here at all, I promise you. (laughs) But we need to remember that the spiritual realm is very, very real and God's with us all the time. You see, Jesus, when he was physically here on the earth, as a man as well as God, he met crowds and he met ones. He preached the Sermon on the Mount to many people. He fed 5,000 He fed other huge crowds. He met with his disciples, but he also was interrupted on his way somewhere to meet that one lady who needed him that one time, to have that one conversation by a well. You see, Jesus wasn't only about the physical size of things. He was all about the eternal value and the eternal significance You see, we need to take every opportunity that we encounter, every moment meeting somebody, we need to take that as an opportunity from God that this might just be an encounter that's going to change eternity somehow. Maybe for me, maybe for that person. Who knows? Incredible ideas, entrepreneurship, charities have been birthed by one conversation with one person at one time. Ideas that are suddenly sparked, commissions that that God's put into our lap. And hiding away and letting fear stop us from stepping out, what does that do? That really hinders and confines us. And we're not able to have such a reach that God's wanting us to have. There's a quote that I've often found interesting. It's by Margaret Mead, and it says, never doubt that a small small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. You see, fear told me I can't, but God says I can. I've got a couple of points if you wanted to pop them down in your notes as a bit of an application, some tips. This is more to me than to anyone. (laughs) First one, take every day as vital in God's plan for our lives. Take every day as vital in God's plan for our lives. Every day is our miracle day. Every day, because they're waiting in the wings John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. A full life is a life full of opportunity and significance, godly significance. You see, God's lined opportunities up for us every single day. Not just social media perfect days that we're willing to let other people see. Oh, I did this today, it was wonderful. Now every day, even those days when we're so tired, we haven't slept, and all we want to do is curl up in bed, even those days, every day has significance. Don't rush past the details of your life, because the details of your life 
often contain that significance that we ignore. And the problem with chasing the horizon, if you're always chasing something out there, is that you notice the horizon always moves the closer you get to it. You can't ever reach it. It's a never-ending cycle of chasing. Take in every detail. It's on the journey where the miracles are. It's on the journey where the significance really is. There are conversations to be had every day. The second one, celebrate every opportunity, every conversation to serve as an encounter with Jesus. Like I said, how many people did Jesus meet on his journey somewhere? People who were waiting for an encounter with him, maybe they didn't know it, that he was coming that way. Some of them chased after him, like I think of the woman who touched the hem of his garment. She'd been searching for her answer for many, many, many years and took the opportunity, there he is, I'm going to reach out. And she was healed. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 20 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our spirits are, they're in us, and they are reaching out for God all the time. They're searching for God all the time. And I often wake up in the mornings with a song that's just coming out of here, and I then join in singing it with my head. (laughs) And it's like, my spirit's awake before I am. It's longing for the connection with the Father. And we're able to have that. What a gift that we're able to have that connection with the Father because we can connect with our spirits with him. And the word says that. He's with us all the time. And the third point is, let God open our eyes to a new perspective. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, if we align our hearts, our spirits to him, then he'll open our eyes to things that we've never understood or realized before. He'll change our perspective to the way that he intends. God is a big and lavish God. He's huge. He's incredible. But he's also intricate and personal and intimate if we allow him to be. Don't we think he has the big in his control and the tiny in his control? Those of you who have heard of Louis Giglio, he um, has an amazing way of um, preaching about 
the stars and the galaxies. If you've ever heard of any of his messages, I encourage you, go onto YouTube and search Louis Giglio. Um, and he uses um, often photographs of incredible galaxies and stars and all sorts of like incredible things that are in space that we would never have an, any idea. Like God is huge. Like he's created all of that and it's still expanding all the time. But yet within our bodies, each little cell he's created and purposed and planned. He's an intricate, detailed God, but also huge. Therefore, God's in everything. And he allows us to dream those big dreams because there are Billy Grahams here. And he also allows us to see the details because there are Albert McMackins here. And both are vital to the kingdom of God. Ask him to show you what eternal significance is in each day. And when we all understand that we're part of something together that's uniting and we can each bring that significance together and offer it to God. When I had that moment in Anfield Stadium when I was a young girl and I had that, wow, this is huge, what I was doing was falling in love with the bride of Christ. And that's never left me. And church is different right across the globe. There are so many expressions of church. There are many gatherings like this happening all across the world. Some are lively, some are reflective, some have singing and dancing, some have liturgy. They're all different but none of them we should cast aside because all that invite Jesus have him in the midst. And it's an incredible thing to understand that God is a big God. Let me ask you one last question. How many of us are here today because of one person? How many of us are here because of a conversation they had with one person one day that invited them to Jesus? Let's never overlook the power of a conversation. What I did my, most of my life was sat back and waited until I was ready, till the fear had gone away, before I would step out and do anything for God that I considered significant not realizing that, my goodness, through the years, he's used me in ways that I didn't even realize. He's allowed me to have friendships with people who have come to know Jesus in their ones and twos, not in their millions. Do I look past that? Or am I continuing to be happy to step out despite the fear? We'll never be completely ready to be used by God if we're waiting for a magic day when everything's all lined up, everything's all sorted and organized, and now we can do something significant for him. It doesn't work that way. We have to be willing to be used every day in those conversations with the ones and twos. And I'm going to invite the team back to the stage again as I finish. And I'm going to pray in a moment because like Billy Graham, when he was on that 
football pitch. As he did many, many times, he simply gave an invitation and people came. Because his faith was such that why would people not answer that call? Why would people not accept Jesus? We don't have to excuse him away or we don't have to make God look in a certain way so that we can persuade people that they need him. He doesn't need that. He's the almighty God. Why would we not want him? Why would we not want to have a connection with him? Why would we not want him in our lives? And that faith that Billy Graham had did see many, many, many people throughout history come to know Jesus and their families after them. And like him, I'm going to give that opportunity this morning. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in the room. But God is with you. His presence is here. However you're watching or listening. That same God that Billy Graham introduced to those people, I introduced to you today. And we do every single Sunday. And we do every day when we're talking within our lives. And the Bible says that all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned and gone our own way. Such is the nature of humanity in a fallen world. Therefore, he needs us to extend an invitation so that we can say, yeah, God, I choose you. If we didn't have a choice, then it wouldn't be love. If we didn't have a choice, then we would just be pre-programmed as robots and that's not relationship that's coercive and that's not who our God is he gives us a choice and our faith says why would we not want to accept that opportunity why would we not want to invite him into our lives he made us he knows us he knows everything about us the amount of hairs on our head, each cell within our body. And he wants to be involved so that he can love us and restore us and enable us to be that blessing to other people. In this moment, I just love everyone to close their eyes and I'm inviting a personal moment between you and your creator father god and in the book of job um, i've been reading that lately job was a man who went through some horrendous things and one sentence that he says really stuck out to me this week and i just want to read it just in this moment of quiet Job says this, if only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that this terror would frighten me no more. If only there were a mediator. Well, God sent his son as our mediator. And the benefit that we have today is that Jesus is standing right in front of us bridging that gap that sin has created between us and our creator, the Father God. 
And he's saying, the way is through me. I am the door that you walk through. The way is through what I did on the cross for you. When I came and I allowed myself to be taken and crucified on that cross, that was to take your sin, that was to take your difficulty, that was to take your pain and to provide access to the Father, restoration, renewed hope, love. And if you're right now thinking, yeah, I want that, then I want to pray for you. If you're online, there's a button that you can click that says, raising your hand, or I want to make my peace with Jesus. And if you're here in the room, all I'd love you to do is just give me a wave, lift your hand, and then when I've seen it, then you can pop it down again, and then we'll pray together. Thank you. That's great. Who else would like to say, yeah? That that's, that's what your heart's cry is right now. Jesus, I want to invite you. You're standing in front of me, and I want to accept you into my life. Before I pray, just a moment more, I don't want to miss anyone. Just give me a quick wave. Thank you. That's great. Okay, we're going to pray together. And if you've said that, made that decision, if you've raised your hand, or maybe even you've just said in your heart, yeah, I know that's me. And as I pray these words, just let them soak in. And then afterwards, we want to connect with you and help you on your journey. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I thank you that you've brought him into this world so that I could have relationship with you. I accept you into my heart right now. I turn away from living life for me with my perspective and I turn and follow you. Lord, enlarge my perspective. Give me a revelation of who you are and my purpose in you. In Jesus' name, amen.